Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to Andrew, who is leading Fido Alliance. We're going to find out what that is. But more importantly, we're going to find out when we can live without passwords already. Okay. So obviously, everybody likes to be secure and safe. Every company out there is telling us we need to upgrade to two-way authentication and all kinds of stuff. And it's getting harder and harder. But Fido Alliance is working on alternatives and the solutions so that we can live like in the 21st century. Andrew, I'm very curious about it. This is my pet hate passwords management. First of all, I want to welcome you to the show. How are you? Thanks so much for having me today. Brilliant. So can you tell us about yourself? How did you get to lead the Fido Alliance? I serve as Fido's Executive Director and Chief Marketing Officer. I've been involved with the organization since 2016. And we'll talk a little bit more about Fido itself in a moment. But my background is relevant to the work that Fido is doing in a sense that I've done a lot of work in my career, both with multi-stakeholder organizations like Fido, as well as in identity. So I first started working in the identity management space way back in 2000, when identity was really just a nascent idea and in industry. And I went to work for Sun Microsystems and it was very interesting. I was out of identity for a bit, say between 29 and, and 2016. But a lot of the same concepts that we were talking about in 2001 and the early two, in the mid 2000s, when I came back into identity in 2016, we're, we're still being talked about. And frankly, more talk than progress. But what's been really cool over the past couple of years is seeing a lot of these concepts and ideas now fully being implemented. Whether you're talking about digital wallets or national ID cards and distributed identity, uh, these are all things that people have talked about. Some circles are happening. And core to all of that is making sure that the identities are secure and protected with strong authentication. So what is FIDO and how does it work? Yeah, so let's talk about FIDO Alliance. Uh, FIDO Alliance is an industry body of hundreds of companies worldwide who work collectively to do three things. We build technical specifications for strong user authentication. So basically alternatives to being dependent on passwords. Secondly, we run a certification program that shows that products adhere to these specifications and can work together. These are largely B2B type products, so servers and other pieces of technology that a service provider may choose to implement to roll out passwordless authentication to its customers or employees. And the third thing we do is we do a lot of market engagement and education activities. So our members work internally to establish best practices and develop white papers that we share freely for others to use. Additionally, you know, we have our own kind of marketing agenda and, and campaigns uh, to do things like this, which is to find important people, talk to them about the importance of moving beyond passwords and how to do it so that collectively we can you know, shift the market away from passwords into a safer way of authentication. All right. So I think it's safe to assume that everybody hates passwords, yet we are getting bombarded by companies telling us that we need to upgrade and we need a stronger security, stronger authentication generally needs more work for the users or customers, right? So 
whether that's uh, two-way authentication or other means. So what is the alternative? How can we get to the world without passwords within our lifetime, hopefully? Yeah. So that, that's a great question. I think that is the question, really. It comes back to actually how, what, what is FIDO also? How, how does FIDO technology work? And what are we aiming to do? And, and so you're right. Everyone hates passwords. So generally, when I tell friends and family, none of them who are in this space, that I'm, what I'm doing, they're like, that's great. I don't like passwords. But no one's ever said this is a bad idea, by and large. But fundamentally, the, the problem isn't just passwords. It's knowledge-based authentication, right? So the flaw with passwords is that they sit on a server, and it's a human-readable secret. Right? So whether your password is password, whether your password is some sort of complex hashed thing that comes you know, auto-generated, it still sits on a server. And when it's on a server, it means it could be manipulated, it could be fished, it could be stolen, and it's susceptible to remote attackers. And that's the fundamental problem. What we need to do is shift away from the knowledge-based authentication, you know, so what you know, to something that you have in your possession, to what you have. Right? So if, you, if it's dependent on you logging into your device with a biometric or touching a security key, or something like that, that simply can't be imitated or, or, or falsified from a remote attacker. So we need to move from what you know to what you have. So think biometrics, local pins on your device, anything that's not transmitting a human-readable piece of data over the wire. In all these instances, that's it's all local authentication. So what FIDO is doing is replacing, and I'll get in the weeds a little bit here, replacing passwords with something we call asymmetric public key cryptography. And that's certainly a mouthful or an earful, but the concept's actually quite simple. Instead of a username and password, where a password sits on the server, for each account where you have FIDO credentials enrolled, you have a unique key pair, right? So think about it like the lock and key, but they're called public keys and private keys. On the server sits a public key, which is has no material value. So if a hacker steals my public key, they can't do anything with it, doesn't matter, as opposed to a password. But on my device is the private key, and that's unique to me. And only I can activate that private key, if you will. Right? So it stays encrypted in my device. And only once I prove that I'm in possession of that device, say with a biometric or some other local mechanism, is that key activated, if you will. And then the keys can communicate with each other and login happens. But the fundamental difference there is that's all happening. Again, logging into my device you know, verifies it's me. And then the device allows me to you know, take part in services online. And frankly, the action that the user has to take is no different than they take today to unlock their device. So if you unlock your device with a biometric or a PIN, right, what you do to unlock your device is what you now do to log in. And it really is that seamless and that friction-free, as opposed to having to remember passwords or getting OTPs and SMS messages. This is a single gesture, unfishable, super strong, and I read somewhere that your approach is also helpful or beneficial for security and privacy. This is particularly true with security I just talked about, right? So the fact that you can't be fished and, and you can't be spoofed and it gets rid right. of these scalable attacks, which lead to over 80% of data breaches are caused by passwords because they're just hard to manage effectively. But from a privacy standpoint, it's, it's really important when you think about biometrics. And I think there's a lot of confusion out there about biometrics. A decent chunk of the population here is biometrics. They think of facial recognition, they think of a big brother type applications where someone's looking at you and your biometrics are all over the place. Now, for the FIDO approach, very important to delineate that your biometric never leaves a device. Right? So the only thing worse than getting your password stolen is having your biometrics stolen. And so that's why it's critical that the, the biometrics don't leave the device. And there's no centralized biometric database. And that's been FIDO's approach since day one. And it's been really gratifying to see a lot of, uh, really, the industry follow suit, starting with the payment networks, right? So Visa, MasterCard, American Express, all the big payment networks are all following this with their own 
identity and authentication schemes, making sure that the biometrics don't leave that user's device or local biometric. And it would be helpful if obviously many companies or banks and retailers were using it. So you get some benefits of network benefits. So what are the latest developments in terms of projects and standards to push this push this idea forward? Yeah, great question. Let's go back to what I was talking about before, what, you know, what FIDO does. And we, we create specs, we certify products, and we, we drive education. The specifications are important, but specifications are only useful if they're deployed at scale. To think about an analogy, would be like, say, Bluetooth. Right, if you have the only Bluetooth headset and there's you know, one or two devices that you can connect to, there's really no value. So for a standard to really take root, it needs to be broadly distributed. Fortunately, through the specification work we did in collaboration with a group called the W3C, which is the standards body of the web, we brought our technology into the web itself and into the platforms. And this is a relatively recent phenomena, but virtually every major browser and every major operating system now supports FIDO. Think of it this way, every device that's being unboxed by every user, they can support and consume FIDO authentication. They can go passwordless. And now that this, this addressable user base is established, we're seeing more and more companies start to deploy FIDO at scale. So some good examples of this, one would be eBay, the online merchant. If you go to eBay, if you have an eBay account, they'll give you the option of using your device login. Right? So if you logged in with a biometric or with a PIN or with a, whatever it might be, you can use that instead of the password. So they're starting to take passwords off of their servers. Likewise, last month, we saw Microsoft announce that the 190 million plus holders of Microsoft accounts can also get rid of their passwords. Antity Docomo in Japan, same thing. So we're seeing more and more service providers really start to adopt this full passwordless technology. And look, there's still work to be done. And, and what we're finding, and we're investing very much in this space, we're finding that it's, it's, yes, it's a technical part to get this implemented, but it's also a design education challenge, getting users to understand what's happening, getting them to feel comfortable using something other than a password to log in. Because love them or hate them, we all know what passwords are. And it's just part of the DNA of the web itself and, and how people compute. You go to a website, you look for the username password box in the top right-hand corner, probably. That, that whole kind of behavioral trait needs to be re unlearned and then relearned that, yes, it's okay to log in with a simple, single gesture. So to answer the question, it's a long-winded answer to your short question, but the answer is we're seeing good progress. We have some you know, really big brands deploying FIDO at scale today with many more to come. All right. Great to hear. So... Obviously, that's where we want to get to. But in the meantime, sometimes we, obviously, from your perspective, detrimental solutions in a way, but probably better than just a simple password, right? Where you just have a password and some people still write it down or they keep it in their wallet. Don't do it, obviously. And But now at least you see a push for two-step verification. But for online banking, for example, in Europe, I think that in many of the EU countries, there was a shift this year where basically I think it was driven by EU regulation that even SMS messages are not safe enough. So therefore, you need to do something stronger. And a lot of the banks, they, they have their like a card reader or they generate like a, that looks something like looks like a colorful uh, QR code and all kinds of things. So could you comment on some of these things? What is in the meantime probably a better uh, way of doing things in terms of security. What well, is this SMS messages or, or not? Or some companies, like you mentioned Microsoft, they're using Microsoft Authenticator for many things. So how safe and secure they are. And also, yeah, I guess everybody has a different view on how user-friendly they are. That's another mm -hmm. thing. 
yeah, let's talk about this from different audiences' perspectives, right? So all of us at the end of the day are consumers and passwords drive me and, and they're still a big part of my daily life. And trying to remember a password and enter a password, say on a device with no keyboard is <laughs> it's horrible. But in the meantime, here's some things that consumers can do. First of all, you should definitely implement any form of multi-factor authentication. So you reference the fact that OTPs more and more widely are being seen as fishbowl because they are. That being said, any form of MFA, even SMS OTP, is better than a password alone and will thwart a lot of basic attacks. And beyond that, consumers you're looking at in the short term, a password manager, some ways to, to come up with more complex passwords and auto-generate it in a way that protects the user. Now, that's not infallible, but it's a, I'd call that an interim step to our passwordless future. And then look for you know ways to, anytime you're taking the password out of the equation, you're, you're making yourself safer. But the bigger shift that really needs to happen is actually truly getting rid of passwords, like not having a password on the server. So most of the time right now, if you're using, say, a phone biometric, it's really acting as a password manager. It's just, it's taking that, it's a convenience factor where it's basically, you're using the biometric and, the, and then the device is cutting and pasting the password into the service in a very crude way. This is good in the sense that it's teaching users passwordless habits, but it's not really fulfilling the goal, which is taking the passwords off the servers and replacing them with public keys. But it is an important step. So I think we need to take, we got to do three things to get to our passwordless future. First, we need to have all the you know pieces in place for large service providers or, or enterprises to deploy you know, a, a FIDO-like solution. Secondly, we need to start changing this user behavior. Again, I referenced this before that there's an education barrier that we need to overcome. And this is based on testing and, and data and that we've seen other people have found. There needs to be a, a comfort level found with using this simpler way of authenticating. And again, the good news is it's been demonstrated this is entirely possible, right? When Apple first introduced Touch ID, that was basically a commercialization of authentication technology. And people weren't sure why they had to lock their phone and why they'd use this technology, but by and large, it became very consumerized. So I think it's been proven that you can indeed consumerize a more convenient, stronger authentication. As you, getting the users to understand passwordless login flows is important. And then ultimately the service providers can then move to um, backend solutions that take the passwords off the servers in favor of, of public keys. And that's where, you know, again, where, where we really want to get to. Um, we talked about other things like authenticator apps. Yes, those are good in the short term. Authenticator apps, you know, are basically, it's an OTP. It's a passcode that automatically refreshes and, you know, it creates a much shorter window, much more difficult. And they, a lot of, most of them, like Microsoft Authenticator and Google Authenticator have added protections built into them to prevent the kind of man in the middle attack. So those are good also, and they're good interim steps. So ultimately, any of these layers on top of a password is a good step, you know, for the time being. As the service providers move towards you know, a FIDO-based solution for you know, both account uh, creation and account login. Great stuff. You reminded me of one of my bosses from many years ago. He would not write down the password, but he would have a map in his office and he would move a pin from one city to another. And that was his password. <laughs> Yeah, there's, everyone has their technique. It's, it's fascinating. This market research we did recently, we asked people, what's your password strategy? And there were, there's some pretty, people have approaches. And it's, I do think the average user gets less credit than they should get for being aware of how to do passwords correctly, quote unquote. And people put thought into their approaches, whether it's moving a pin around or having some sort of secret you know, uh, pattern in their head. The, the problem, though, you know, with any password, again, is that it sits on a server and can be fished, right? So a well-designed phishing attack, a well-designed phishing email, has over a 50% success rate. It's not you clicking on it, but you actually getting. And there's different phishing quizzes online out there that you can look at, and they're hard to detect. And ultimately, that's because hackers are good at their jobs, 
right? They're better at their job than we are at defending against them. These are professionals and they're going to do what they can to take your credentials away from you. So even a very complex password and a you know, well-considered password is susceptible to a motivated and talented hacker. It's great that you emphasize the fact that any sort of password sits on the, on the server and therefore can be fished. So you can have whatever technique you want. That is fundamental problems. Great to, to hear that there are other alternatives. Now, obviously, you have different stakeholders in the alliance, right? And you work with different industries, and some of them are regulated, some of them dealing with other people's money. So people may be a bit more sensitive about their passwords and online banking and things like this. So do you see any differences between financial services and other industries, whether that's e-commerce or, or what have you, in terms of their openness towards the passwordless future? Look, I think everyone wants to get there and, and, and regulated industry have, have added concerns and financial institutions have even more concerns. And look, many of our core stakeholders come from the financial services side of things. So whether it's the payment networks or the banks themselves, um, by and large, they're all investing in FIDO Alliance. And you know, I've spoken to the majority of major banks, at least here in the US, and all of them have plans to deploy FIDO over the next you know, several quarters. But there are certain challenges, right? And the usability is a big thing. So a lot of banks I talk to plan to, and they want to roll this out to say their high net worth customers instead of giving them dedicated cards or asking them to use passwords or OTPs. But the challenge there is that A, you don't want to lose these customers. You don't want to do anything to irritate them. And B, you need to make sure they can actually not get locked out of their accounts. And so these are challenges that the banks look at when they're looking at rolling out. So there's still, again, I'd say an education concern, if you will, usability concern with the banks. Now, that being said, we're seeing more and more advanced there advance their plans to roll out FIDO. In Europe, BBVA has implemented FIDO for their native app. And in fact, we see a lot of banks using FIDO for the native apps on iPhone, iOS, both in Europe and Asia. But on the web, on the desktop, we've also seen Bank of America recently implement FIDO with security keys to give their some of their customers the ability to use security keys as a means to verify and, and approve high value transfers and transactions and things like that. So I think we're seeing this industry move forward. And they, there certainly is you know, a desire to do and, and we'll see even more of it happening over the next next several months. Great stuff. Obviously, you've outlined what FIDO does and you have multiple stakeholders. And we talked a lot about passwordless future, which is key. But I also understand you do more work. You have more wider portfolio of activities. So can you tell us a little bit about your other work? Yeah, that's a great point. And, and as I was talking, there's two things that we've taken on right recently. And they're both very important. As I was talking earlier in our conversation about the move from knowledge-based authentication to possession-based authentication, there's a, a really critical step in, in that flow to get to possession-based, which actually starts with account creation and identity proofing, right? So many of our accounts right now, that the, they start off on the wrong foot. They start off on the wrong path because you create your account using you know, a username password or for a higher value account, a regulated account, you probably... Do some, they do some identity proof and they'll ask you stuff that's available from the credit bureaus or some sort of like knowledge-based things that they know the answers and know the answer by using the public credit information. And that's how your account's created. And then if you ever lose your password or anything like that, when you go time to log back in, you're asked to verify these secret credentials. The problem with that is that those credentials aren't secret, right? Your personal information is available on the dark web. If, if a motivated, again, a motivated individual can find your ID numbers, your mother's maiden name, all the things that are often are, are overutilized to proof individuals. So what we need to move to is a form of account onboarding 
and identity verification that's possession-based rather than knowledge-based. Right? So we need possession-based identity proofing, identity verification to match our commitment to possession-based user authentication. And that's work that we're doing in um, a working group called our Identity Verification and Binding Working Group. We're looking at creating, doing exactly that. So more and more, we're seeing when you create accounts online, you're being asked to do a selfie check, say a picture of yourself, and take a picture of your government-issued ID. And that's really, that's possession-based authentication. So we're focused on creating standards around that, establish you know performance standards to make sure that the, the vendors who are implementing that technology do so effectively efficiently in a, in a privacy-preserving way. And then once that is done, we'll look at other ways of actually binding that element. So binding the fact that you were, that your account was created using that possession-based proof to the account itself that when it comes to, so that when it comes time to recover your account, you can do so, you know, through who you are rather than what you know. So I think that's a really important element of the equation that, that we're taking on. It's hard work, but we're making good progress and we're really the only body working to standardize mechanisms for identity verification. The other key space that's very important when you talk about passwords and security is IoT, right? There's trillions of, of IoT devices going out and security has historically either been an afterthought or just difficult to do because these devices are often small kind of dedicated devices. So we took on IoT, we're trying to take the password out of IoT and we've actually made great progress there. We implemented, we've we, we released the FIDO device onboard specification and actually open source code to help with the IoT challenge at the time of device manufacturing and creation, which will make it easier to onboard IoT devices and network devices without being relying on a password for those devices or for, for those networks. You recently hosted the Authenticate 2021 conference. So what were the key themes emerging from the conference? What were the people talking about? Yeah, thanks for asking about that, Rudy. Uh, we we're super happy to be able to pull this conference off. And we had a vision for an industry conference a couple of years ago. We aimed to have this in March of 2020 or June of 2020. And of course, you know, that went sideways due to the pandemic. And so it was really great to see hundreds of people meeting in person and hundreds more attending remotely to learn about the latest trends in, in my, modern and FIDO authentication. I think the key themes were that, hey, this is happening. We heard some great presentations from Microsoft and, and Google and the core platform providers about you know, how they're building FIDO into these devices and, and how they're rolling them out at scale. And we heard from a lot of leading brands on how they're using FIDO, ranging from the consumer implementations from groups like to enterprise support uh, from groups like uh, Capital One and, and Target, and even a lot of government-facing applications as well. So I think that the key theme was this is happening, and there's just a, a real thirst to understand and develop best practices from on a peer-to-peer -peer basis from other companies seeking to implement FIDO within their own organizations. All right, wonderful. So where can people find out more about FIDO and the research that you've been doing or your projects, et cetera? And now I'm really motivated, right? So you mentioned BBVA in Europe. How can I tell my bank I want something like this? Otherwise, see you later. I'm, I'm switching to BBVA. Yeah, we'd love for people to, to start doing some pull on their bank. So look, the bank this is on your bank's radar. Trust me on that. A couple of resources. So we have our we have a website loginwithfido.com. This is more of a kind of a layman's type website with kind of consumer ready information on how Fido works, where you can use it. Some examples, things like we also have our core Fido Alliance website, fidoalliance.org. That's more of the B two B site, learning more about the technology how someone might want to get involved in some of our outputs. We do have our Authenticate conference series, AuthenticateCon.com. But all of this can be found you know, really through any of our social media handles on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the web itself. Wonderful. Thank you, Andrew. And good luck to Fido. And of course, let's hope for a passwordless future soon. Super, Rudy. Thanks so much.
Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.